St. Louis Soccer Weekly is on the air on the Big 550 KTRS. Brendan, we see St. Louis Soccer Hall of Famer Mark Moser on what has been a gloomy week here in and around St. Louis. If you've seen some pictures from down in Florida, it's certainly warmer and nicer down there. Soccer and actual games being played. Modus, we had a, an exhibition today, 2-2 draw city in Nashville. We're going to check in with Tom Timmerman on that here in just a little bit. But it's fun that we're, golly, actually playing games now. Yeah, and I mean, the, the players have to be happier than we are just from the fact that they've been down there for a couple weeks training with each other, competing against each other to finally get a chance to play against yeah. somebody else. Um, and I, I really think this this Florida trip is going to be, you know, kind of get things ironed out, start getting in the rhythm. Then they're going to come back here and train for a little bit. But then when they head out to California, those games out there will really be key and important. Though Some decisions are going to be made at that point because I think things will ramp up because that really leads up to the start of what could be a busy, busy beginning of the season. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be really intense with a tournament, with MLS play, all basically happening at once. For City and and by then you'd have to think they'd have uh, a nice rotation in place that you've come to put together here over this next month because of course as we assumed last week and made official this week Nico Joachini has moved on in fact already with his uh, team over there in Italy and I think on the roster right now so City's got work to do to to find. The next Nico Joachini, hopefully somebody on the roster, but not always as simple as that. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things is we, we need to be rooting for Nico because the better Nico does, the better, the more benefit to St. Louis City from a financial term. But, um, and I'm going to do a little more research, but there, there's, I think Como actually, their games are streamed for free. They are. Yeah. Um, so folks will be able to kind of follow along. And I mean, it'll be, you know, it, as exciting as it was to watch him play last year, I mean, this is exciting for me. Still a young guy, for him to get an opportunity to possibly be playing in Serie A next year, uh, if Como can continue and, and get themselves into that. that How would close be, are they to, to promotion? They are in second place right now, so they're sitting good right now. Um, it, but it's that would be, you know, a pretty big jump to go from. Uh, being picked up in an expansion draft to come into St. Louis City to now moving to a team that's going to be playing in Serie A. Certainly a big deal. Uh, and we're going to get some insight on that from our good friend Chris Klein coming up here in just a little bit later on in the show. Of course, former president of the LA Galaxy. And uh, he's working on a couple of different things right now. But obviously, it's great insight on this. Mose is somebody that's worked on it uh, basically for the last, what, uh, I mean, a large portion of his professional career is done playing and almost immediately moved into that LA Galaxy front office. Yeah, and it's, it's this has got to be a little bit of an odd time for him because this is since, uh, I think, probably 1998 when he started in the league. And even if you go back to before that, he was playing collegiately. So he's been preparing for a season every year. This will be the first year for him to have a little bit of free time, um, but we're going to find out what he's up to, and he's going to give us some great insight because, yeah. you know, he was he was one of the main people in orchestrating bringing David Beckham yeah. to the United States in the MLS. So 
he has a lot of really good insight on how these transfers and how these things work. So we'll dig in on the, on that and, and the ramifications of Nico's move. Uh, Nico's move happens, and uh, a short time later, Miggy Perez, not transferring but on a loan down to Birmingham. So you talk about City fans wanting to probably check out what Nico's doing. They're going to want to check out to, to see what Miggy's doing down there in the USL championship level. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for Miggy to go down there, hopefully, and get some good experience. We, we saw when they sent Sam Adinaran out last year, he went down, played, was playing very well, and then when Klaus went down, they didn't hesitate pulling him back, and he stepped right in game one and yeah. was effective. But for Miggy to go down there, he's going to get a chance to play for Tom Sohn, their head coach, who has coached multiple teams in the MLS, played in the MLS, great experience. Their general manager, Jay Heaps, also with some great MLS experience. So hopefully this will be a great opportunity for him to continue to grow as a player. And we sometimes forget this is a young, young player. Yes, he is, 18 years old. And you mentioned Sam uh, Adeneron, uh almost immediately upon his return last year made an impact and we'll see if Miggy's able to get some of that again he's got to play got to be able to get the reps he's going to get that down there with Birmingham how about those bushwhackers St. Louis ambush winners last week there in MASL action Mose, and uh, nice to see yeah it's been this has been a, a long year for them and it's been a struggle and they've been in a lot of games I think they've lost four or maybe five games by one goal um, that they've been in them and just haven't been able to get over there. They make some changes, move some players around a little bit. Some guys played, you know, some guys that played in the back normally got pushed up into the midfield, and it and they played really well against Baltimore last weekend. They get a big win. They're going to have a tough road trip. They're heading out to California this weekend. They play Saturday night in San Diego against the San Diego Soccers, and then Sunday take on the Empire Strikers before returning home here on the 2nd for Star Wars night at the All family right. arena. Um, and one of the great things that they're going to be doing here is they announced last year that they were going to have an ambush two team um, right. to try and develop some players. So they got some games coming up on February 2nd, February 25th, and on March 17th where if you come out and watch the ambush game, immediately following the ambush game will be ambush two will be taking on an opponent, whether it's Muskegon or one of the other teams in the uh, ML, MASL 2. So uh, great opportunity to come out, watch the ambush play, but at the same time stick around for a little bit and, and maybe see some of the future stars. Looking forward to that uh, up there at the Family Arena. We've got uh, some picks to click later on in the show. Moe's sponsored by your good friend, Dr. Palmer. Dr. Christopher Palmer from Signature Orthopedics. Uh, been a little bit over a year ago um, after many years of playing sports and a few surgeries. Uh, I was basically bone on bone on my knee and got to the point where couldn't run around in the backyard. My grandson made the call to Signature Orthopedics and called Dr. Christopher Palmer, uh, met with him, walked through the process. Uh, he uses the robot, the Mako robot to help perform the surgery. Um, and after going through and talking about it, telling, explaining the whole process to me took the, the ease off of my mind and uh, had my knee replaced a year ago and was back at work in three weeks. Uh, that's not the case for everybody, but for me it was. Uh, and because they used the robot, 
It's less invasive, which helps the healing process. You get back up on your feet. And it really, it's gotten to the point now where I don't even realize that I had it done. I don't have the pain. Um, If you are having, whether it's knee or hip pain, having problems, Signature Orthopedics, Dr. Christopher Palmer, you can go find it online, drpalmerortho.com. He will take care of you and walk you through the process to get you back pain-free. And he's going to power those picks to click coming up later on in the show. When we come back, Tom Timmerman, he's in Florida as City continues their training camp and first exhibition game today. Details next here on the Big 550. All right, well, we've got the first preseason match in the books for St. Louis City SC. 2-2 draw with Nashville earlier today. Tom Timmerman covered it for the post-dispatch. He's now en route home. His job for now is done. Busy times, though, as we're now just getting into this second season for City. But, uh, Tom, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us after this afternoon's exhibition opener. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Today was the warmest day, uh, I think, since the team has been in Florida, and it was bad timing. They either preferred a slightly cooler day uh, out there, but uh, it was kind of warm and a little bit muggy today, so uh, it was kind of a preseason, but also mid-season experience uh, for them. It won't be like this when they play Houston in the Champions Cup. Yeah, I'm curious, just, you know, intensity-wise, what are you able to gather from how they go out there and, and and play a game like this where you're still relatively early in the ramping up phase of, of trying to get those fitness levels right. What what were you able to take away from today? Yeah, you know, it, some things I'm sure didn't work as well as they would have liked. I think they felt the need you know, to tighten up a few things defensively. Yeah, they got both of their goals in the, in the second half, I think, the – and they changed units. There was, you know, 11 guys in the first half and 11 different guys in the second half. And uh, the second half looked better. Um, hard to say, you know, if that's just because, you know, the Nashville had different players out there as well. And uh, I could tell you, I would wish I could say, you know, who was when for Nashville. But Nashville did not have numbers on their jersey. So this was kind of a stealth game <laughs> for, uh, uh, for Nashville. But you know, it was it was a good start. Um, you know, again, they, you know, the the first the unit that played in the first half probably could have gotten a little bit more done uh, than it did. Um, you know, they were exposed on the two goals they allowed, one in each half. But you know, it's a start, and it's you know, I, I think they came away from this game feeling pretty good about how the first two weeks of camp went. Well, they're probably I'm going to guess at this point just happy to be playing against somebody else instead of themselves because that that you know I know going through training camps it gets old playing against your teammates day after day so in anybody that stood out in your mind that uh had a good a good good showing today you know uh Celio Pompeo was uh did well I mean he he was getting into positions making nice runs uh, down the left side, he, he set up Indiana Vasilev for the uh, uh, for one of the goals. And, you know, this is kind of Pompeo's chance, uh, you know, with Giacchini and Strauss gone. That's going to open up a lot of minutes. And Pompeo's a guy who, you know, can maybe do something with. He had, I think, two assists in the inter-squad scrimmage. 
uh, as well. So he's done well uh, so far. You know, Nookie Thorson got the ball in the box uh, and did some things with it. Sam Adeneron showed his speed, got the got the ball. Yeah, it's, it's a little harder to say. Uh, you know, in the the first half group, Klaus was playing with Brendan McSorley, who's who's their third round draft pick in the MLS draft this year. And actually, I thought McSorley looked you know really good for a guy playing his first game against MLS uh, competition. Uh, those were kind of the kind of the, the the big highlights for me because there's going to be a lot of focus on that offensive situation right now uh, with Giacchini's departure now official and you know with Stroud already uh, having been traded away that uh, you know that's where the spots are open where the positions will change. Well, and Celio was at the end of the year last year really kind of one of the bright spots that kind of came on at the end of the year where some other guys lagged off. And I think this is great for an opportunity for him, and it's great to see that he's starting out this preseason in the same form. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he scored a goal against Kansas City in the playoffs, which uh, you know, a, a rare commodity right there the way that series went. So, yeah, Pompeo came on strong at the end, and he earned more playing time, and he's probably going to get it uh, now. But, you know, and this is only, you know, he played 45 minutes, and however much he got in that in his squad scrimmage, I guess he got 90 in that one. But well, this is a good first him, and this is kind of his time. I mean, for some of these young guys, for the Ostracks and the Pompeius, this is the year. They've had you know a year of City 2, a year of MLS, and now you know they're they're got a chance. They're at an age where they can they need to make their move because if not. Um, you know, that chance will pass them by. Well, and, and the other player you talked about, Sam Dinneran scoring today. I've been so impressed with him. He, he's such a unique player, a player with size. He can play really strong, but he's so skillful. And, I mean, even today on the goal, he gets a nice through ball, makes a nice little feint, and dribbles around the goalie. And a lot of times big guys are not that skillful and it, he's just he he's a, such a well-rounded player that I think this could be a really big year for him. You know it is, and, and he's also, if not the fastest guy on the team, one of the fastest guys on the team. But he he has that ability to go past people. If, you know the the through ball you play to him, you have a little more maneuverability on it because he's going to outrun most guys and get to it first. You know, a general last year, if you when you look at the goals per ninety minutes numbers. I mean, he was the really one of the best in the league in that category. I mean, almost you know twice as good as Giacchini was, and even better than Klaus was. And so, if Adeneron can keep that pace up, um, you know, you ask where are those ten goals that they lose with Giacchini leaving going to come from? You know, Adeneron showed you know with the limited time he played, it was less than a thousand minutes. You know that he can he can do that. He can score those goals. So, yeah, that's going to be, a, you know, a big chance. I mean, right now you have to think it's going to be Klaus and Adeneron as the, as the top two guys there, and then they'll you know, maneuver other guys around them. But they're the guys, and, you know, he missed a, you know he missed eight games when they sent him down to the USL championship, but when he played and it wasn't that much, he was very good. 
We're visiting with Tom Timmerman, Cover City for the Post-Dispatch. His podcast is STL Soccer Talk. Tom, down in Florida after City's opening exhibition game today, a 2-2 draw with Nashville. Tom, you mentioned McSorley, uh, one of City's draft picks this year. And I don't want to generalize too much because it's one season, it's one guy, but uh, Owen O'Malley factored into this team uh well, essentially not at all last not year, all, no. and I'm just curious as to what what we should be looking for, what we think Bradley and Lutz are looking for out of their first draft picks with, again, the fact that O'Malley was essentially a non-factor last year. Is there anything in particular that uh, that we should be looking for or that you think maybe they're looking for out of their two guys? Yeah, I would think that uh, McSorley's going to spend most of the season uh, with City, too, and that'll be his chance to get experience that he needs. Kojima, Jose Kojima, the first-round pick, is a, a fascinating uh, prospect. I, and I talked to him briefly the other day, and, you know, he, is, he has a, a scientific approach. I mean, he, he just can go into incredible detail on teams. He's just a, a talk about a student of the game. I mean, he just analyzes things at, uh, you know, a, an unheard of level for someone who's, I think, you know, 22 or 23. Um, you know, he, he just arrived in camp, so how much, uh, you know, whether he's ready or not, you know, he still isn't signed. Uh, they still are going to have to, uh, you know, potentially find an international spot uh, for him because he's from Japan. So, how this is all going to fit together, I don't know. But uh, we're talking to one of his teammates at the uh, Herman Trophy banquet, and we're saying he's the, the hardest worker you're ever going to see, and just a, a really you know sharp guy out there on the field. So you know, Kojima's got the potential to make more of an impact. I think McSorley, just because there's other more experienced guys in that position, will probably force him out. But Kojima's a guy that. Uh, I think, you know, can really do something. So it's going to be tough for him to find minutes, uh, and he's getting a late camp, to, late start to camp. Well, Tom, isn't isn't he the one who put together kind of a synopsis report for some of these teams that were looking at him in the draft on how yep. he would best fit into their club? Yes, he did. And he said, I, I still got the, the St. Louis City uh, report I did, uh, still hung on to it, and it's, you know, for, for ready reference, and he said that, you know, for all that, you know, it still can't compare to getting on the field, but he knows exactly what this team does and, how, and now he's, he's got to learn it in a practical sense on the field. Tom, how did the team look health-wise? Is everybody healthy still right now? Uh, the only player not healthy is Rasmus Alm. Uh, he did not play in the game today. He has not been training with the team. Uh, you know, he had his offseason season sports hernia surgery. Uh, he seems to be doing a, a good amount of work on the field. He's doing a lot of running, uh, but uh, you know he still hasn't joined the team. I don't think he's going to be ready by opening day, uh, but he is, the fact that he's with the team is a, is a good sign. Uh, Joachim Nielsen, who also had minor surgery on his knee after the season, arthroscope to clean it up, um, you know, he was fine in his... Uh, in his 45 minutes today. Tom, anything else out of the ordinary strike you? 
during the uh, the rest of the week that you're able to observe uh, training from the team? You know, it's, 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 you know, even though it's winter, it's January, it's spring training. These guys, and everyone's in a, in a kind of a relaxed uh, atmosphere. And I think the, the, the first week there where it rained a lot kind of bothered them. Uh, they couldn't do a whole lot as much as they'd have liked, but uh, they came on they came on well. And, uh, and But everyone was asking, like, what's it like? What's it like in St. Louis? What's it going to be like? Because uh, they're concerned about the, uh, you know, they'll be practicing in St. Louis for four days next week. Uh, and obviously they remember you know, it was, you know, single digits or lower when they left. Uh, so they weren't looking forward to, to that. But it's reassuring to them that it will be probably in the 40s uh, next week when they're training before they go to California. Maybe even in the 50s or 60s, Tom? I've, I've seen some I've seen some forecast temperatures that uh, they'd be maybe excited to see. I would be delighted as a guy that's got to stand on the sidelines for that. If it, if it was in the 50s or even 60s, that, that would be wonderful. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of overcast uh, during, you know, in my week here. But, uh, you know, I, I think they, they like what they did, and this is kind of the shake the rust off uh, level and then uh, things will really pick up when they get to California. That's where they'll start, you know, experimenting uh, with things and looking at, you know, lineups and combinations uh, more than they did here. Tom Timmerman covers City for the Post Dispatch. What uh, what do you got cooking for the STL Soccer Talk podcast, Tom? I, you know, we talked a lot about uh, uh, Nico Giochini and uh, moving on to, uh, uh, to Italy and what it means uh, for him, what it means for the club. Uh, why you should all root for uh, Como to uh, be promoted to the first division in uh, in uh, Italy. Well, Tom, safe travels home. Look forward to seeing you down at training next week, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, I'll be there. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Tom, thank you. Coming up, we're going to talk to our good friend Chris Klein. Some great insight on the transfer of Nico Joachini and how it all comes together and what Chris is up to since leaving the LA Galaxy. That's coming up next. It's St. Louis Soccer Weekly on the Big 550. St. Louis Soccer Weekly continues here on the Big 550. KTRS, Brendan Weesey, Mark Moser, and uh, a great pleasure to welcome back to the program a St. Louis guy, a uh, long-time, long-time president with uh, with the LA Galaxy, and uh, just a, a, a great friend here to the Big 550, KTRS. Chris Klein is uh, kind enough to join us. Chris, it's great to uh, have you on the program again, sir. How are you? I'm great. It's uh, great to join you guys and look forward to talking soccer. Yeah, we're uh, we're thrilled to talk about it, Chris. And, you know, we were talking off the air here with you a few moments ago. Uh, I guess kind of a different winter for you, right? First time in a long time where you're not preparing for an MLS season, either as a player or uh, as an executive. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a different rhythm. Uh, first time since uh, since 96, not preparing for a season. I guess it's been a long first time uh, maybe in my, uh, in my life back to when I was five that I wasn't preparing to either play or be part of a, of a team. And so uh, there are certain aspects that I certainly miss, but uh, still being involved in the game and getting to talk the game and uh, working on the World Cup uh, gives me my fix. And uh, as I prepare for what's next, uh, enjoy being on to talk to you guys. Chris, how different has it been for you with, like you said, you're still involved in the game and working on some of the stuff with the World Cup out there in L.A. How, how different has it been for you adjusting to that? 
you know, when you're in, I guess when you're in anything and you're so consumed by it, uh, you don't realize everything else that is going on. So the, the great part has been to take a step back personally and professionally and look at, uh, even just to look at a game, it look at the game from a different perspective. And uh, I've always been passionate, uh, as all of us have had to be about growing the game in this country and, uh, you know, being involved in the World Cup here in Los Angeles and broadly and uh, doing some other things with the, with the league office. And then, um, you know, just, just talking the game with people is, is one of the, the great things that I'm enjoying. Uh, being in it um, and, you know, preparing a team and being involved with coaches and front offices and uh, the specifics of it and winning and losing, uh, there are certain aspects that I'm surely going to miss, um, that competitive part, but uh, I'm looking for it in other areas now. So what are you doing right now with, with the World Cup in L.A. as far as that goes? I'm the, the co-chair of the Los Angeles uh, host committee, so – it started as the bid uh, when we won the bid to host the World Cup. It turned into a host committee. So now we're waiting. We will learn the uh, FIFA World Cup 2026 match schedule, which is going to come out on February 4th. Uh, so we're excited for that to learn which games that are going to take place at SoFi Stadium out here uh, in Los Angeles. And uh, then the work starts to build and to, to get everything ready for 2026. How do you – there's been a lot of talk – about what the World Cup did in 1994, one, it propelled the beginning of the MLS. But where do you see this World Cup, and, and how much can it propel this game even further in the United States? Yeah, look at the 94 World Cup and, and our league that was launched um, off of that event in 94 and how far that we've come in a, in a really short period of time. And now we look towards 2026, and... You know, questions in 94, people in the United States going to watch soccer, uh, those are no longer the questions. We know that this is going to be uh, a successful World Cup. It's going to shatter all the attendance and revenue records uh, for earlier tournaments. But I think the big question is what you asked. And how can we use this tournament in, in our country, uh, along with Mexico and Canada, uh, to really propel the game forward? And what are the areas that we can look at uh, collectively to do that? Um, how can we improve the on-field product so that we are, you know, talked as one of the best leagues in the world? Um, because the, the dollars and the interest are here. Uh, the, the interest in the Premier League, the interest in Champions League is here. So how can we take Major League Soccer and uh, use it as an inflection point to grow the league and to move us forward? I think that's the, that's the narrative that's going to be around uh, the 2026 World Cup, and we all have to take advantage of the moment. Chris, are there going to be any logistical challenges with this World Cup, with it being a, a, a USA, Mexico, Canada uh, cooperation, if you will? I mean, there's logistical challenges to, to anything, to a, a tournament that's that size and a country our size, and you include Canada and Mexico and now it's going to be 48 teams, but, I mean, if any country or continent has this, we have this. Uh, I mean, we could put a World Cup on tomorrow with the infrastructure that we have and, and try. I mean, they just put a World Cup on in, uh, in a country the size of Rhode Island. So I think that we can figure it out here. There's, 
there's logistics that we have to figure out as an example in Los Angeles, uh, you know, a venue that wasn't built for soccer and not many of the NFL venues are. Um, so there's, there's infrastructure renovations that have to be done, uh, to get it ready to host an international competition like the world cup. But, uh, this is the, the planning and preparation has long been underway. And so I'm confident that it's going to be a great success. Well, Chris, you were knee-deep in planning and preparation with the L.A. Galaxy for for over 10 years. One of the things that we're going through here in St. Louis, uh, the first time ever, one of our players being transferred, Nico Giacchini, going to Como 1907. And there's just – it's something that is – I think I said it last week. It's almost un-American because people are kind of stumped by this, why a good player – who was tied for our leading scorer, why we would we would transfer him. Can you explain a little bit about that transfer process and and how it how it comes about? Is it player driven? Is it the team looking to get rid of the player or the team looking to bring a player in? Yeah, I mean there's so many factors that go into roster planning and roster building and uh, especially in a global market, you know, people forget you know, the NBA or Major League Baseball or the NHL. Um, you know, they're a contained market, and so you get, you know, a player that will go from the the Blues to the Black. Oh, I was going to say the Blackhawks, so that wouldn't happen. But the Blues to another <laughs> NHL team, um, and and you know, they have a salary cap, and the Blues have a salary cap. You know, with our league, uh, we have a contained market, but the global market doesn't, and so. The appetite for players to either move on, whether it's player-driven or club-driven, um, usually it's a, it's a combination of both. And, you know, in, in this specific example, it could benefit St. Louis. It opens up his cap space. Um, it, you get some benefit from transfer funds. Uh, but it's also a player that you have to replace. And it's just, uh, you know, I think it's the beauty of our game um, that we're able to look and players are able to, continue their careers and, and to grow. Uh, but it's certainly challenging because uh, now St. Louis has to, has to look at a productive player um, and, and replace that player. Uh, and, it's, and it's a challenging thing in our system to be able to go out uh, and to just do that because you're constrained by the cap. Well, and with, with the cap, and I know that it's unbelievably complicated just from the outside looking in at – gam and tam and and money and trying to and i know that's your guy's job and and you have to work through that but if you're if you were looking to a fan here in st louis and they're asking you that question well okay yeah we're going to get some money for him what 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 gets done with that money is it put back into a salary for a new player is it something that would maybe go to help fund the academy to get to grow new players yeah well, uh, the answer could be yes. So let's just, we don't have to take Giacchini, we could take somebody else. And let's just say they made $500,000 a year and the transfer was $3 million. So St. Louis would get, they'd get the cap space of 500000 They would also get a portion of the transfer fee that gets to go against the cap. So just consider it cap cash. So it's around a million dollars that they can use. So they get 1.5 in cap space. And then they get an additional 2 million um, that they get to take to, you know, put back into investment in the club or, like you said, academy or things like that. But 
it is taken in cash. I think that's one of the challenging things um, to the system is, is St. Louis has to turn around and, and look at that and see how they reinvest it uh, into the product on the field and how they want to build it. They don't have to, um, but they certainly can. How, how hard is it when you have a player that, that is coming off a successful season um, to, 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 to really let somebody go when now – for him, there's a chance with the situation right now with Como 1907 that they could be in Serie A next year. So clearly it would be a step up for him going from St. Louis City to a Serie A team. But how hard is it when you're managing a club to, to, to let go of a player? Or is it something that you look at it that this is part of the system and the development of these players? Yeah, it's part of every system globally. So players go from Arsenal to Madrid. Players go from a club in Belgium to a club in Germany. I mean, it happens everywhere. So I think that uh, educating our soccer public here uh, on that process, which a lot of them are educated, I think is important. I think the challenge for St. Louis is you're looking at a player who produced goals. Uh, You're looking at another forward in Klaus who – produce goals but also had injuries and you know going out and trying to and you're also looking at a team that performed well in the regular season but um you know didn't in the playoffs and so trying to figure out how to get over that hump and what they need to do uh is a challenging uh it's a challenging process they had an incredible first season um you know that should be celebrated but also should be evaluated uh why couldn't they do it in the playoffs and and what went wrong uh, and how do they plug those holes uh, to improve the team, and how they plug the holes in terms of players that left. And, and look, this happens in other sports too, through free agency and some other things. It's it's more contained um, than it is in our sport, but certainly something that they're going to have to deal with. We're visiting with uh, Chris Klein as uh, we talk some of the ins and outs of the uh, the transfer process here. In the MLS, and Chris, from your perspective, again in a in a spot where city fans look at this and say, "Wow, it it stinks that Nico is gone." But you know, inside those walls there in downtown St. Louis, or for you, where maybe a guy, uh, where you guys maybe watch a, a transfer go to another club, in a way, do you treat it like a badge of honor? Is it is it something where inside? the club where maybe the fans feel some discontent inside those walls do you guys treat that as a as a win for the club look i don't know that a transfer to series b is a is a win for the club certainly financially um you have to have a system that works um and when i say that you have to be developing players from your academy that make appearances for your first team or and or that you can sell and drive transfer revenue. Your academy really should be a revenue-generating uh, part of your club. And when the, the wheel starts moving, you know, you are players in and players out. So Giacchini goes out and the next player comes in. It could be younger, could be better, could be different. Um, but really that process of rolling things over to where you're not always just spending. Um, and I think that's the big difference. Um, that you see around the world is is creating whatever your club culture is. I mean, Real Madrid, you know, rarely does an academy player make it through to their first team, 
but they're also one of the highest producing uh, revenue teams from their academy um, because they use that to fund their first team and they have a, they have a philosophy and a way to do it. Uh, whereas a team like Ajax in Holland is much, much different. They develop players so that they can sell them. Um, and they have always have a very, very young team. And I, we're getting to the point in our league, I mean, uh, look, Lutz came out and, and really downplayed DPs. Different strategy. It was about the team and about spreading um, the cap money that he had across the team. And he did some things that uh, were, were unpopular in the, league, in the league. He paid a goalkeeper a lot of money. Um, you know, that's a choice that they made. Uh, to build their roster, and it worked in the regular season, uh, but it didn't work in the playoffs. So now they're sitting back as a front office and saying, okay, you know, was the success that we had in the regular season, was that because of our talent, because of uh, the system that Bradley put in, or all of the above? And when they go through that evaluation, they come out and they say, look, you know, we performed in the regular season and not in the playoffs because of X, Y, and Z. And they try to address those needs in the off season. And there's a few mechanisms where you can do that. You can transfer and sign new players, whether it's DPs or TAM, um, or you can improve through trades or free agency. And so looking at all those mechanisms and seeing the way that they can improve the team so that they can get over that next hump, uh, in 2024, as I'm sure where they're spending all of their time. Chris, with, with the start and the, the season that they had last year, how, how quickly did clubs around the league take notice of that? And to where going into the season, I mean, a lot of teams probably didn't have a lot of good intel on a lot of these players that they brought in. But it's through the season, it seemed like some teams – started to figure them out, and they, they weren't able to adjust. Is that something that the days of them surprising one, those are long gone? Look, it's hard. It's really with all of the data and the information that we have, it's hard to surprise someone, even in game 11 or 12. So, I, you know, I give them a little bit more credit than just, oh, they won a season and then they got figured out, and so they struggled down the stretch and struggled in the playoffs. I mean, look at a similar system, I mean, I know it's not exactly the same, but Jurgen Klopp in Liverpool, a, a high-pressing counterattack system. I mean, he's been successful for years, and they're, I think, top of the Premier League now, and they haven't been, quote-unquote, figured out. So I think for St. Louis, it's sticking to who they are, which they have a system that they want to play, figuring out the nuances in that system so that when they are countered uh, tactically by a club that's going to do things uh, to interrupt what they're trying to do, that they have a plan B, or at least a version of plan A um, where they can execute um, beyond just what they did in the first part of the season. So uh, I know that they're a smart group, and so uh, I'm sure that that's part of what they're doing now and trying to figure out, uh, again, as I said, with the roster and it's also with tactics, um, how can they evolve from what they did in 2023. Chris Klein joining us here on the Big 550 KTRS. And Chris, uh, as we mentioned uh, uh, at the top, uh, uh, a time for you that uh, feels a little different. Uh, any any early thoughts on MLS in 2024 that uh, we should be keeping an eye out for that, uh, that maybe you have an early read on? 
Well, I mean, uh, we seem to be a league of trends, and, you know, everyone's looking at Inter-Miami and, and what they're doing there with Messi and Busquets and Alba and Suarez. And, you know, that's, a, that's an old team, but it's an old team of global superstars. So how are they going to uh, navigate what could be a 50-game season? Um, you know, how are clubs like, like St. Louis or Philadelphia that don't spend a lot on their rosters, you know, how are they going to adjust and, and keep up and continue uh, that success? You know, out west, it, it, can Seattle stay consistent? Uh, LAFC and the Galaxy, what are they going um, to do to really get back to where they need to be? Um, and I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, 2024. There's a lot of international competitions as well. So, how are teams going to build their rosters to be able to uh, accommodate some of that? And I think it's wide open uh, in terms of what we're going to see this year. Chris, what el- what else are you doing out in LA? Are you coaching at all? No, I mean, well, yes. I, uh, my son and I coach our uh, our 12 year old daughter's team, but. Oh. In terms of actual coaching at a higher level, I've never been a real interest of mine. I'll leave that to um, to the people who have a, a passion and, uh, you know, the training for that. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing some other things, uh, mostly around uh, the World Cup and getting that over the line here in Los Angeles and uh, excited about the announcement on February 4th. And we'll dig in more uh, here in the next couple months. Well, Chris, we, we always appreciate you taking time. Uh Always, always a St. Louisan, and uh, we are proud to, to have you join us and give us some insight with uh, upcoming things for the World Cup, and then also just to kind of fill us in on the ins and outs of, of how MLS teams are run. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm happy to do it anytime, guys. I appreciate it. Chris, thank you very much. Coming up, Mark Moser has his picks to click to round out this Friday night edition of St. Louis Soccer Weekly on the Big 550. We've got just a couple of minutes, Mose, but uh, an opportunity for some picks to click, uh, powered by your good friend Dr. Palmer, as uh, we look ahead at the uh, weekend in soccer. Yeah, it's uh, another great weekend. It's a lot of things going on in the FA Cup. Uh, so I'm going to start us out uh, on Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. We have number three Stuttgart versus Leipzig, which is number four in the Bundesliga. That game kind of kicks off the weekend. Leipzig can jump over Stuttgart with a win. Then Sunday morning, 8.30, ESPN Plus, the FA Cup, one of the great competitions in the world. Uh, Liverpool, which is now losing. Jurgen Klopp, who's stepping down as head coach at the end of the season. They're in great form and on pace to win a whole lot of hardware this year, they're going to play against Josh Sargent in yeah. North City. Yeah, So that will be a good one on Sunday morning to start your Sunday. And then Sunday afternoon, 145 on Paramount+. Plus, We'll head over to the Serie A. Inter, which is sitting second in the table against number 4 Fiorentina. That match should be a good matchup between those two teams to uh, battle it out for those second third, and fourth spot in the Serie A. And as always, this week, our clicks to pick are presented by Signature Orthopedics and Dr. Christopher Palmer. Dr. Palmer 
did my knee last year, had a full knee replacement. Um, he is an innovator and, and just a, a super nice guy. Folks, if you're living with knee pain, hip pain, you don't have to do it. You can reach out to drpalmerartho.com, make an appointment, go see Dr. Palmer. He can walk you through the process um, and get you to where you're pain-free. He uses the Mako robotic surgery, which is less invasive, less blood loss, quicker recovery time. It's, it's really something you should take a look at it. He has great success with it. I have had great success with it, and I think you should look into it if you're living in pain because you really don't have to, and may, it'll make your life so much better if you're not limping around on that bad knee or bad hip. You can go to drpalmerortho.com and look, make an appointment, check out everything that Dr. Christopher Palmer's doing down at Signature Orthopedics, and let him help you out. Most have a great weekend. Enjoy the soccer, and we'll uh, we'll do it again next week. City will be back home for training. We'll have some updates from uh, downtown St. Louis. Right back at it next week. That's Moe's. I'm Brendan. It's uh, St. Louis Soccer Weekly on the Big 550. Our Mizzou game plan coming up next here on the Big 550.